Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, we continue our series on the bad boys of the Bible and what you and I can learn from them. We're looking forward to seeing you at one of our upcoming conferences. August 11th and 12th, Bill Federer leads a lineup of speakers ready to bring clarity to the chaos in Colorado Springs. On Saturday, September 30th, we'll have a special one-day conference in Des Moines, Iowa, featuring Michael Hoggard, Greg Patton, Larry Stamm, and Micah Van Hus. Our largest conference of the year will be a massive three-day conference in Columbus, Ohio, October 26th through the 28th. Over a dozen speakers, including our special keynote speaker, Jonathan Kahn. Registration for these conferences is open. Call 1-800-652-1144 and reserve your spot. Seats are filling up. Don't miss your opportunity to hear Jonathan Kahn live in person. Visit the events page of our website, swrc.com. We want to see you at these upcoming conferences. The complete lineup of speakers, topics, and schedules are all found at swrc.com. Simply click on events or give us a call. 1-800-652-1144. Author Jonathan Brentner is back with Josh Davis, ready to share more insight on how the bad guys in the Bible can help us all understand God's grace and the full scope of His forgiveness of our sins. I'm privileged to be joined again by author Jonathan Brentner. He's written a brand new book called Cancel This. It's available through Southwest Radio Ministries. And Jonathan serves the Lord as an author, a blogger, Bible teacher, and a retired financial analyst. And through his writings, he reaches thousands of people each month with his perspectives on Bible prophecy and current events. And you can connect with him at his personal blog, Jonathan Brentner. Dot com. Jonathan, we welcome you back to Watchmen on the Wall Radio. Thanks so much for having me again, Josh. I'm glad to be here again. And we're looking forward to getting right back into the second part of the study. But just in a way of reminder, what can we learn and how can we learn from the bad guys of the Bible? They teach us about the dangers of letting our negative emotions control our lives and control decisions that we make, especially key decisions, if we're making them because of anger, bitterness, greed, or desire for revenge, they're not going to turn out well. And they also show the necessity of walking with God, of understanding His Word, understanding Scripture. And there we have a huge advantage over most, if not all, of these guys in the Bible, because we have in both the Old Testament and New Testament, just at our fingertips and even on our smartphones. And also it teaches us the importance of recognizing that this life is not all we have, and it teaches us to value eternal realities above those of, of this time, of this fleeting time that we have. And as we mentioned yesterday, there's so much with cancel culture that's trying to get rid of everybody and the wokeism comes onto the scene that in this generation that we live in, if we're walking according to God's word, living 
out his truth, we're going to be countercultural. And we see that in the Old Testament. We see that in the New Testament. Anytime anyone followed the truth, they were seen as being countercultural. And I think if we live according to these truths, it'll absolutely transform our lives. And although I haven't lived your life and your experiences as you shared them yesterday, we all have struggles with faith and lessons that we have to learn the hard way. And I think wisdom kicks in when we seek to learn from others through the mistakes that they made so that we don't fall into those same pitfalls and that we can walk with the Lord in wisdom and in righteousness and following him every step of the way. Let's get into some of the particulars as we're going through some of the chapters. And and friends, we're just not able to go through every single chapter. There's a lot of beautiful, wonderful truth in this book that you need to understand for yourself. It can be a great Bible study. As we mentioned yesterday, there's questions at the end of every single chapter that you can use in a small group setting, a Sunday school setting, maybe a men's group woman's group, whatever it may be, to learn these examples in a group setting or by yourself, an individual study. Let's start with the chapter on Gehazi. Tell us a little bit about who he is, too, because that's a lesser-known character of Scripture, but he fell for greed, and how can we avoid that dangerous temptation as well? Yes, he fell for greed. Gehazi was Elisha's servant, and he was someone who lived with Elisha, during this time and was close to him and he was just his servant and we see him in some of the initial events in Elisha's life but there was one particular event when Naaman a military general from Syria had gotten leprosy and a slave girl who had been taken from Israel in his household said, you know, it's too bad you're not in Israel because there's a prophet, Elisha, and he can heal you. And so Naaman came with talents of silver and many fine clothes to give to the prophet, and he came to Israel, and eventually he was healed, and he wanted to give Elisha in the silver talents in the clothes that he had brought with him. But Elisha said no, he didn't want them, and he sent them on his way. And as I bring out in the book, his reasoning was probably like this, because we know from the conversation that he had with Elisha that he had become a believer in the God of Israel, and he had been healed, he had become a believer. And Elisha didn't want him to think that he had paid for any of that. He didn't want Naaman to go back to Syria thinking he had paid for his salvation, he had paid for his healing. And so, therefore, he refused to take the gifts. However, Gehazi thought that he should have done that. So Gehazi chased after him, made up a story, and got a couple of the silver talents that the servants of Naaman had to carry back because they're so heavy and some some of the clothing, but it was not for Elisha. He put it in his own tent, and it was foolish of him to think that that he could do anything without the prophet knowing because God was so close to the prophet that he saw, and the leprosy of, of Naaman eventually fell on Gehazi. 
And what's the danger for the Christian today with the same kind of temptation that they may fall into? In America, it's a huge temptation. Materialism, whether we're rich or poor, is something that tempts us all. And as I bring out in the book, you know, it's important that we trust the Lord to provide for our needs, to look to Him to provide, and also to look for ways to bless others with the finances that we have. And then learning the secret of contentment is important, and to consider how your example affects others. And that was probably the biggest lesson that I learned from this was that, you know, it's not that we brag about our giving in that, but we can bless others, and it can have an impact on others. Is just as Elisha was concerned that if he took the gifts from the Syrian general, it would look like he was paying for his salvation, and he did not want that to happen. And so we need to pay attention to how our witness and testimony affects others and look for ways to bless them. We don't have to broadcast it. Obviously, that's what the Pharisees did. But the people that we bless will know that we've blessed them, and that's all that matters. Sometimes greed can come from a spirit of untrusting, and we're not faithfully following the Lord. We're not looking to Him through faith. Uh, We're not following Him and trusting in Him to provide for us. We say, no, this is mine. I worked hard for this. I'm keeping this. I can do what I want with it. And we're not really trusting God in those moments. Well, you go on Uh to talk about Esau, and we're going to get into his life and some of the things that we can talk about there. We're visiting with Jonathan Brentner. He's the author of a brand new book called Cancel This, What Today's Church Can Learn from the Bad Guys of the Bible. I encourage you to pick up a copy of this much-needed book. You can do so by calling us at 1-800-652-1144 or by visiting us online at swrc.com. Now, as we talk about Esau, our culture shouts to us today, live for the moment. You do you. Live in this moment right here, right now. Don't think about the future. But Esau's life is a lesson for us on how foolish that way of thinking can be. How can we live beyond this moment, beyond just the here and the now? One of the passages that I bring out is Second Corinthians four seventeen to 18. It says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not at the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And Esau lived totally for the things of this life, and he was someone who sought immediate satisfaction rather than recognizing the spiritual benefits that could have been his through the ongoing covenant. And, of course, God had chosen to give it to Jacob, and we don't know what would have happened if Jacob had not tricked his dad into giving it to him, but somehow the Lord would have gotten that blessing to Jacob. But Esau cared about the blessing, but only the material benefits that would have come from it. And I see this when the two brothers reconciled later on, where Esau came with 400 armed men. He had 
this posse of, of sorts. He was a very wealthy and prominent person by the 20 years later when Jacob was returning to the land. And so it was easy for him to forgive Jacob because he had everything he wanted in life. And it just shows how living for the things of this life can really absorb us and leave us ill-prepared for eternity, especially if we don't know the Lord as our Savior. I know you like to study and write on Bible prophecy as well. How can understanding Bible prophecy help us live beyond just this moment that we live in today? We recognize that there is an eternity out there, and hearing that there's eternal life is, is such as The problem with many places of worship today is that they only mention eternal life. They don't talk about the rapture and the glories of heaven and everything that's coming. It's just so wonderful, but yet they stay confined to this life. And if we only focus on this life, then we become blinded Christians in a sense. We don't realize the glories that are ahead, and it equips us to look beyond our trials. And one of the things that happened when when I was going through the, the difficult times in my life is it took a while for me to get my eternal focus back. But once I did, the Lord seemed so much closer. He was able to work in my life. And perhaps one of the reasons I'm so excited about this is I just finished writing a book along with Terry James of Rapture Ready, and we collaborated on a book that's called Hereafter. It's better than you can imagine, and we just submitted the manuscript this week to Defender Publishing for it, and so it's going to be a while before it gets out, but we were both very excited, and it just really amped up my excitement over over eternity and all the blessings that are out there. And even though I've written books on, I wrote one book on prophecy before, I learned so much writing this one that deals with our experience as believers from the rapture going forward. I'm sure we'll be visiting with you again and Terry James on that book hereafter. Looking forward to getting that as well. And we are visiting Mm -hmm. with author Jonathan Brentner about his book, Cancel This what today's church can learn from the bad guys of the Bible. You can call our ministry at 1-800-652-1144 or visit us online at swrc.com to pick up your copy today. And as you were saying there, my mind went to so much of our modern church worship, and it is really focused on the here and the now. But as we gather together as the church corporate on Sundays or whatever other service times that we may have, When we gather together in the name of Jesus, we're really doing something that impacts eternity, that should lift our eyes unto the great beyond, what's beyond just this life that we're walking through. It should remind us every Sunday as we gather for worship that we are doing something here that impacts all of eternity. Yet so often our preaching, our music, all the rest can just be confined to the here and the now and not really thinking about eternity. So that's a temptation that today's church can really fall into. And I think when you talk about Bible prophecy and the things that are happening in this world, it helps us to be constantly reminded that there is something greater, there's something bigger, there's something better ahead for us. 
And it also builds Amen. our faith because, you know, I'm just trusting in the Lord. I know that I believe in the rapture and we're going to be with him. We're not going to be here for the great tribulation and all the terrible events that unfold. And so that we can live with eternity in mind instead of living for the moment. Well, let's transition to another character that you talk about in some serious lessons that we can learn okay. from the life of Eli. And why is it dangerous to live for the approval of others instead of the approval of God like Eli did? For one thing, he didn't reprimand his two sons or discipline them. They were doing things that caused the Lord to to hate them, and the Bible says the Lord wanted to put them to death. And you know that you've really messed up when God says He wants to put you to death. And yes. they profaned the sacrificial system by trying to get the meat while it still had the fat on before it was offered so that they could get the best parts of the meat rather than the part that was boiled for them later, which is what God intended. And we also know from Scripture that they were committing adultery on the temple grounds, apparently, with, with other women. And so those two things were very displeasing with God, to say the least. And Eli, instead of severely reprimanding them, he told them that those things were wrong and they shouldn't be doing it. But is the judge of Israel and is the high priest at the time and is their father, he really had a triple responsibility to deal with them far more harshly than he did. And one of the interesting things about Eli is that when he dies, the Bible mentions that he was quite heavy, that being overweight was a factor in his death. And that tells me that he might have been joining in and eating more of what his sons were doing than he probably should have. Yeah, and, and there was a lot of concessions that he made along the way that really undercut his whole ministry and ruined his yeah. family, ruined his life. And we need to learn from that lesson. How can we then courageously obey God in a culture of wickedness that surrounds us like it does today? I think recognize that we're playing to an audience of one. And, and in the book, I bring up my trombone playing, which is something of the past. But for many, many years, I played trombone and trombone solos in churches and trombone in orchestras, which I just love doing, particularly the latter. But, you know, one of the things that helped me is that you're playing to an audience of one and that the Lord is the most important person. You know, if the Lord is pleased, then it doesn't matter what other people think. But if other people are applauding you and you're really popular and the Lord isn't pleased, then what value is that? So it's the Lord that we seek to please Him rather than people. And also, you know, we're after spiritual results rather than popularity or applause. And I, I bring out a story in, in the book from when I was speaking, when I just had a terrible back spasms. I was in pain. The medicine I was taking for my back caused considerable dryness of speech, and I was dryness of mouth, I should say, and I was speaking before a Sunday school class of singles of probably about 50 people, and I do not know why I didn't cancel, but as I was going through it, I thought, oh, this is awful, because 
I was constantly having to get water to drink. I was in pain, distracted. And when it ended, I thought, oh, this is the most awful, awful, terrible time of speaking I've ever done. And lo and behold, the results from it just staggered me because people were coming up telling me how the Lord had spoke to them through it. And one woman six weeks later was still telling me how the Lord used what I said to impact her life. And I thought, oh, wow, I never would have imagined that God would do that. And so it's the seeking of spiritual results and then just to rest in God and His unconditional acceptance of us. We don't have to impress other people because God loves us. He's unconditionally accepted us. And if the God of this universe loves us, what difference does it matter if people applaud us or not? Amen. Amen. And a lot of great wisdom in what you just shared there. And friends, I hope that you latch on to these things that Jonathan Brittner is sharing with us today, because these truths will transform our lives. They will transform the culture of our churches. They will transform our families, and they can impact all of eternity. That's how crucial these things are that we're talking about on these programs with author Jonathan Brentner, another spiritual leader that was supposed to be faithfully following the Lord, got his eyes on himself instead of on the Lord. His name was Diotrephes. How did Diotrephes abuse his leadership position in the local church? Back in the first century, a lot of Christian teachers and travelers would depend on on the churches in, in various homes, and this was probably a little bit later in the first century after the church had been established, especially in Asia Minor near Ephesus and all the churches in that area. And so there were lots of traveling Christian speakers, and back then they didn't have hotels and restaurants that we have today, and so they depended on the hospitality of other Christians who lived in these various towns, and Diotrephes not only refused to host them in his own house, but he actually put people in his church that were doing so out of the church, and it was something that the Apostle John reprimanded him for, but he apparently destroyed the letter and had bad things to say about the Apostle John. So finally, he wrote to Gaius, who was probably a pastor in a nearby town, who was kind of aware of the situation. He was kind of reaching out to him in Third John for him to do something. But he kept others from providing hospitality to Christian travelers. And it's remarkable that he treated the Apostle John the way he did. Because, you know, today, if someone were to stumble across that letter from John to Theotrophies, it would be worth not only a lot of money, but very significant. Mm -hmm. But he just treated the Apostle John with such disdain. It's just remarkable when you think of that. But it was pride that led him to do so. He was just very proud. He was probably a lot younger than the Apostle John, and I believe that played a a factor, too, because even in today's church, there's a lot of disdain for older believers, and especially the young leadership of churches don't like advice that they might get from older 
faints. And, of course, it's not always good. You just have to be discerning, obviously. But John was likely a whole lot older than Beatrice's, and I believe that played a part in his disdain for him as well. Mm-hmm. Cain's error was one of the worst mistakes that we will ever make. What was Cain's error, and why is it so devastating for us? He rejected God's way of salvation. He knew that God existed, but he wanted to be accepted because of his own efforts, his own merits, rather than the way God desired. And the lesson there is so crucial. It was devastating for him because he never had saving faith in God. And so many people today also miss out in saving faith and miss out on salvation because they want to do it their way. It's like that song from from many years ago called, I Did It My Way. When you look at the Bible, doing it your way is going to lead you far short of eternal life. Absolutely. And friends, if you're wrestling with your eternal destiny, we encourage you to reach out to our ministry at 1-800-652-1144 or visit us online at swrc.com. While you're there, you can pick up a copy of this book or request your copy. Cancel this by author Jonathan Brentner. You end the book on a high note, a positive example love the fact that you end this study with focusing on John Mark. What is the important lesson that we can learn from the life of John Mark? That God gives us many second chances and not to let an initial failure define our lives because when John Mark left the first missionary journey, we know that Paul was rather upset with him, but he didn't let that discourage him. He came back and became the author of the Gospel of Mark, and later Paul said that he was very useful to him in ministry. It shows the maturity of both of them that Mark did not allow his initial failure to define his life, and Paul was mature enough to recognize that God had worked in his life. And friends, maybe you identify with one of these characters that we've talked about. And I love that message of hope as we finish out our time together is because there is forgiveness. When we repent of our sins, God will forgive us. He will restore us just as he did with Peter. Peter blew it on a massive level when he denied Jesus. Jesus could have cast him off, but he didn't. He lovingly drew him closer to himself and restored him and set him on a path for his greatest ministry. And then it's amazing to me to think that Peter invested in the life of John Mark, another man who blew it a generation after him, and we see that cycle repeated. And so, friends that are listening, there is hope, and you can turn to the Lord today. He will restore you, He will forgive you, and He will draw you closer to Himself. Well, Jonathan Brentner, it's been a joy to join with you these last two days, and we look forward to some future conversations with you about the other works that you are putting forth for the Lord. Oh, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate that very much. one 800 That's the number to call and order today's featured resource, Jonathan Brentner's book, Cancel This, What Today's Church Can Learn from the Bad Guys of the Bible. 
Order cancel this today. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order online swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Tomorrow on Watchman on the Wall, discover how to live fearlessly for Christ with Ray Comfort. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Thank you.